Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Deep Roots at Home podcast. I am your host, Abby Grace, and I am super excited again for this episode. I know I say that every time, but today we have a real special treat because Jackie herself is on with us. And um, those of you who have followed Jackie for a long time know that her blogs and her articles are rich with content. And so sometimes this podcast is sharing those for our listeners that would prefer to hear things over a podcast versus sitting down and reading on a blog. So sometimes uh, the podcasts are a reiteration of the blog. But today we actually have Jackie here and she is gonna share some things on her heart She's going to share her testimony and just a little bit uh, more for those of us that that have not heard it before. Some of this is on the blog, but as she shared with me earlier, she's going to go much deeper today and sharing even more. You are in for an amazing treat, and I hope that you will, uh, whether you're listening with a cup of tea or whether you're driving in the car, I hope that this will be really a blessing for you. So with that, we're going to just jump in and get started. Hi, Jackie. How are you today? Hi, Abby. I'm doing fine. I just got in from the garden and I've been weeding, which oh. was much needed. Yeah. So I was just out there prepping, prepping my heart and praising the Lord and his beautiful nature. Is it so uh, kind of hard? To... What's the weather like <laughs> there? Because it's kind of cloudy here. It is. My son, who's an organic farmer all around us, was hoping that it would rain a little bit so it would make the, the weed seeds germinate so he could knock them down before he planted. But uh-huh. it hasn't happened. It's just a lot of clouds. <laughs> yeah. We had a but massive storm. Thing. We had a massive storm the other day. I'm in South Carolina and the storm was tremendous. But uh, it blew through. Yeah, it blew through real quickly, though. So. Anyhow, um, so today we are going to get to know you better, hear a little bit more of your testimony and your story, and I guess um, let's just start at the beginning. Okay, I think the thing that I really wanted to capture when I wrote my testimony was how gracious God was with us and who who he really is and his faithfulness. And I was just reading over it again, and I was just struck by his faithfulness, how he has carried us through everything. And so um, I really don't, I, I just, some, there's something in me that feels like I am so unworthy to even share what he's done. But he has, you know, he's brought me to know him, which sometimes has me on my face crying, like, how come you wanted to? rescue me mm. from my sin you know, it's hard right. to understand how why he would would love us creatures as vile creatures like he does 
but yet he does. And so I guess where to start with all of this was um, just growing up in a household with a father from Holland or the Netherlands and a mother from the deep South um, who, you know, were just struggling to get along with each other because their cultures were so different. Um, My dad was raised Catholic and my mom was raised Baptist. And so in order to um, satisfy both of their spiritual hearts, they put us in Missouri Synod Lutheran School. (laughs) So it's kind of a high church (laughs) setting Uh to fill the Catholic need, and yet it was Protestant for my mom. (laughs) Gotcha. And so, so, yeah, it's really weird because growing up, um, I would have called myself a Christian, and yet, and I was catechized and was, you know, Oh my goodness, the whole, you know, I knew the word of the Lord, but I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know God personally. I didn't have a relationship. And so when I met my husband, I said, I'm a Christian, you know, he said, I am too. And I'm not so sure he was either (laughs) because Mm. neither one of us were bearing any fruit at that time in our lives. And so we went from there. And um, I think probably if I were to title this, being a, a blogger, I always think of titles. I would come up with the baby hand on my glove and what that did to my heart. Because oh. that, you know, going through nursing school, being indoctrinated in feminism very strongly in the middle of the 60s um, and 70s, you know, when it was very anti-establishment and the Vietnam War was raging and um, promiscuity was being promoted. Um, And interestingly, looking back, we can see where we are now from the seeds of that time. Right. And so I I look at those days as really formative. And even though I said I was a Christian and I knew what the word said about you know, a lot of different things because I could say it, but I had never internalized it. I could see how I was so ready to be sucked up into the culture. Right. And it's just frightening because I think really that's the way a lot of us have been raised. Mm-hmm. And right off the bat too, since I'm going to talk about abortion and my abortion particularly and assisting in abortions. I do want to say that I don't judge anyone because we all have different stories and the Lord is using them for his glory. If we ever, you know, if we ever accept him, um, he will use it for his good. And so I don't judge anyone. I feel extremely humble Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time because I, I realize how unworthy I am to even be saying that he loves me and that mm. I'm forgiven. So mm-hmm. for anybody who's out there who's listening to this, um, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after I have shared my story publicly several times in fairly large groups. And you won't believe the people that come up and say, I had an abortion. I've never told anybody. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so that's my prayer for this time. Um, on the podcast to help people know that um, 
if they don't know the Lord yet, there's hope for them. If they do know the Lord, um, you know, either way and have had an abortion that uh-huh. you can give it to the Lord and just lay it all down and it will free you amazingly. I mean, the freedom once we embrace what we've done and ask for forgiveness is mm-hmm. um, it's life changing. Yeah. I, I'm curious, the baby hand on my glove, where does that come in? Yeah. <laughs> well, right out of nursing school, um, I went right into the OR. After I graduated, I went to a four-year nursing degree program, BS, and they, they kind of profiled us temperament-wise. My best friend and roommate went into the um, neuro unit. So she was doing craniotomies and stuff like that. Literally was trained right out of nursing school. And uh, some of our, the cost of our uh, going to school was a stipend. So we owed years, um, two years in our case, back to the hospital. And it was a Methodist hospital, a very large hospital in a metropolitan city. I'm going to get up and walk around pulling all those weeds. My back is ouchy <laughs> but um anyhow so we went right into there and um during the training I was not asked to do any um surgical abortions or that kind of thing but it was about three years into it in the Methodist hospital where they would pull people you know when there was a slack time or they just needed extra personnel and they would you know let us know the day before you're going to be in this room you know and Actually, the first couple times, they didn't say anything about what it was. But then after that, it was expected that we would assist in abortions. So I did assist in a number of abortions. And mm. so that was really hard. But I had already had my abortion at that okay. time. And so, you know, that was, we were married. So it's a shameful thing to even think about not wanting a child, but um, anyhow, all that to say, they, you know, I was scrubbed in because I'm, I was a scrub nurse and then I was a circulating nurse, which means you run the room, but you've got to learn to circulate or to scrub in first. And I was actually scrubbed in and it was a, um, a suction abortion where, you know, it was a fairly young gestational age of the baby. And there was a little tiny glove after, afterwards, um, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of things on the table, instruments and, and tissue. And there was a little tiny hand separated oh. from the body stuck oh. on my glove. I know we're going to some icky stuff really fast, but I looked at that and it, honestly, in a split second, the Lord opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I dropped a couple instruments on the floor, which made a huge racket because it's a very large cavernous room, a lot of metal, you know, a lot of the floors terrazzo tile and everything sounds in there um, loud. And I ran out and I said, I will never come. I screamed, I will never come back here. <laughs> kind wow. of shocking. Just, so it was pretty uh, startling. Yes. And, uh, I realized really in the twinkling of an eye that that was a baby and that what I had done was a baby. 
So wow, it's a hard story, but it's still, I guess God in his mercy, he knew what I needed to wake me up because I was just living for me. I was living for, you know, I was kind of a prima donna in a lot of ways in the, in heart, because I did have a temperament for that kind of stuff. And, you know, good memory. I ended up teaching a lot of nurses, um, you know, the paces all the way through so that they could someday do what I was doing. But, um, so at this know. time, I guess you're I'm, not a Christian yet though. Um, no, but I was actually, I was kind of being wooed by the spirit at that time, but okay. not a whole lot. I mean, I, I was running, um, I was basically lying to my dad, you know, um, cause I was outside of, out of nursing school. I was living with my husband and we just were living sort of a, a free for all life. Like we had in college in my blog mm-hmm. post on my testimony. Um, I talk a lot about not a lot, but enough about, you know, we were living for ourselves and for mm-hmm. our, our, uh, material desires and to fit in with a group of people that, you know, had a like, a like-minded lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, but okay. Yeah. So you weren't Actually, yet converted, have... but the Lord was beginning to open your eyes and, and, and mm-hmm. will you. That was the really big jolt. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, and see, I was living somewhat of a double life because I looked good and squeaky clean, you know, nurse working really hard and helping people. But then we were running with a group of people that were, um, oh, my goodness, I'm thank God we didn't get pulled into that. But in the OR, there were anesthesiologists and their wives and doctor, a couple doctors and their wives that were swinging and switching partners and stuff and invited us, me and my husband to, I don't know why I'm even telling you all this, joining, <laughs> to join this, this group. But that was, that was, maybe that's illustrative of where we were at the time. Maybe that's the really, um, that shows how lost we were. And we went to a picnic, um, there were other fellow nurses and their husbands who were invited and they took us into the kitchen, the gals and said, this is what we're doing. And we'd like you to be part of this. And for some reason, the Lord kept me from wanting to be that, be there or be part of that as Mm -hmm. strong as the attraction was to the group and the professional exterior that we had inside. I knew that that was not something that we would do. And I told them, the very first time, um, we can stay with, stay here for dinner, but we will be leaving afterwards. And we did. And, um, Mm -hmm. it was, it was interesting because I look back on that and think that had to have been the hand of God, because I was very concerned about appearances and about status and about progressing, um, professionally. And that's why right. I had the abortion in the first place. Gotcha. Because that's, you know, it was inconvenient. And I was not, you know, I would have been an absolutely horrible mother. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the place in me would obviously knew that. But right. uh, So, yeah. But my mom, 
you know, when I finally ended up telling my parents like 15 years later, they were shocked, you know. I mean, they just didn't know me. And I right. think today, like, a lot of parents really don't know their kids. And mm-hmm. because when we send them off to school and, you know, they have the indoctrination that they go through and people say, oh, but everybody has to go to college. And, you know, unless you're going for one of the STEM fields like medicine or, you know, legal or something like that, I, I'm like, when I yeah. went off to school, my whole, you know, life became just one free for all for fun mm-hmm. and what I could get out of it. Uh-huh. So that I'm just throwing this in here, you know, if you're a parent listening to this, please reevaluate what your plans are for your children, especially if they're small and don't set them up to want to go into a situation where they will, their hearts will be, um, every attempt will be made to change their heart and their mind right. about anything that you could teach them. And actually to separate them emotionally from you by calling you stupid or ill-informed. Now, you know, they're trying to indoctrinate you because it, you know, how many hours do we have with our children when they're young and then they go off? You know, we don't get those years back. Right. Right. It's so true. And then also, I think that's actually why we ended up homeschooling because I had such a shocking experience that finally mm-hmm. the Lord allowed me to see what had really was happening. And even though we were homeschooling from 91 on, you know, when our first child was born, um, it was already really clear to me after having gone through the indoctrination, the feminism, and I still fight with, you know, wanting my rights. And I'm still a cantankerous, you know, person sometimes with my husband because I want my way. And I was conditioned to get my way in the OR. Well, and that is and part of the goal. fall. That is the result of the of sin and, and the fall too, you know, with Eve and us, yeah. we want as women, we want our way. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's a natural tendency that Satan is exploiting, right. basically, and feminism, you know, was it just was ripe to happen because yeah. Satan is, is smart, although he's not God. He still can pervert. He comes to steal and destroy and take away all joy when he has a right. chance. We so, plant his hands. He surely will do it. When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. How long after this experience with the baby, how long after that were you actually saved then? Hmm. I was saved when I was 31. It was 80, 81. 
I got my dates right. I actually a lot of this I have tried to like not remember. <laughs> uh, I understand. So I need to yeah. go back and with a pencil, pencil in the dates and stuff. Right. But and my husband will will give a different date. I think we still disagree on a couple dates. But um, right. basically, I, I was 31 years old and still very infertile. We walked into an Assemblies of God church that was quasi charismatic. But boy, the Bible, the teaching was so amazing. And mm-hmm. um, the, the music um, was simple. It was not like the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church with the height, you know, the hymns, which I still right. love very much. But the people loved on us so much mm-hmm. and really, really drew us in. They knew we were infertile. We had gone on a couple of mission trips. Um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But when we walked in that first time, we were late. <laughs> if, if I tell you what got us to go to church, oh, my goodness. We were watching Robert Schuler. I don't know if anybody listening oh, yes. remembers Robert Schuler. Yes. Crystal Cathedral in California, the yes. pompous claimant and claim at church. And we were watching yes. on TV because we, we were we still were seeking a lot then. We did. But. You know, my husband would turn that on and I'd sit by him on the couch. And Robert Schuler was never one to say, you know, go find a, a church right in your neighborhood or, you know, a good church, a Bible believing church. He wouldn't have said that. But we both looked at each other. It came out of his mouth, at least into our ears. And we looked at each other and said, oh, we need to go to church somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> it was like we both we both heard I mean we still laugh about it today because I know he didn't say that but we heard it and we heard it simultaneously and it wasn't you know like God's voice or anything like that it was just that was what we took away and then the next Sunday we got up we got dressed and we went to church and we went to that wow. church <laughs> wow wow God's I problems, and right? we walked in late. We, we walked in the, the back doors and the, like the narthex where, you know, it's the open area. And then we went to our right and we were, went into the very back aisle, the first two seats right inside the door in the back aisle. And from the moment I walked in there, I felt um, I was just interested because the people were really praising the Lord and singing. It was fun. It was joyful. Um and mostly praise choruses because in the eighties, you know, that was yeah. where the Christian contemporary music was in a lot of ways, but yet I didn't forget the words. And so I came home and I was singing them to myself and we went back um, again, but that very first Sunday there, um, Tommy Pino Jr., the pastor who has since, gone to be with the Lord. He had Lou Gehrig's disease, but um, he, he, an amazing Bible teacher, um, he said, the Holy Spirit is in this place. Can't you feel him? And immediately, (laughs) I know this sounds, you know, to some people who are just like not, you know, they don't have a relationship with the Lord. Um, The Holy Spirit is calling us (laughs) and he was calling Mm -hmm. me that day. Right, and I was down on my knees at the very back row on the edge, <laughs> but there were other people. You know, that was the the kind of the 
the the way that the church worshiped there was really powerful but yet uh-huh. it wasn't like really wasn't um it wasn't weird you know what i'm saying uh-huh. i've been in churches uh-huh. where it's kind of weird but for mm-hmm. some reason this was not weird it was very authentic and mm-hmm. you know people were not afraid to express their brokenness and mm-hmm. so there were a number of other people you know with hands in the air they were just openly weeping because the mm-hmm. spirit was present and mm-hmm. I was down on my knees and I was falling like a baby. And I came to the Lord that day. And I mm-hmm. walked, I didn't come to him. He came to me. But, mm-hmm. um, I walked out of there and I was shaking. Um, and I looked around and everything was bright and pretty. Oh, and, this, and it was like, I looked at my husband. I said, I everything's different. What is different? I don't, can't put my finger on it, but everything feels different. <laughs> wow. Because I don't think I really still understood what was going on. Right, right. But, but he got a hold of me big time. And it was and like, was this, um, was your husband experiencing the same? <laughs> What's that? Well, he, I'm crying right now. No, I don't know exactly what he was experiencing because he said he came to the Lord in a um, a camp meeting around a, a you know guitar and fire um, like a youth group thing uh-huh. when he was fourteen, and okay. it's very possible that he did. But he was very very black backslidden. If you read the blog post, mm-hmm. we were you know I lived in the frat house with him. Mm-hmm. I mean I lived there from Thursday night to like late Sunday night or early mm-hmm. morning, Monday morning. I had an eleven o'clock class, but. Um, he didn't live like a Christian, but, and he still says, that's where I came to know the Lord. He was just backslidden, you know, or just, uh-huh. just kind of left his, he uh-huh. didn't, you know, live it. Right. But he's, he's a bonafide Christian now. Right. I mean, he's, he's a wonderful man to be right. married to. I don't know how the Lord again extended, because if I had married someone like my father, oh my goodness, <laughs> we would not be together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wow. Uh, Wow. That's, that's powerful. So, so slowly over the course, you just began to grow and hunger and thirst for the things of the Lord. And it was, did it feel like, did it feel like things changed at rapid speed or was it a very slow, gentle change? I think it was a slow, slow, gentle change because there were, I had already left heart, left open heart, and I had taken a job for a little dear 80-some-year-old woman in her home. It paid very well, and we were trying, we, by that time, were thinking about trying to get pregnant, and so I took this job. It was a night shift, which pays more. Um, I got a, a really nice overtime, and so I was working seven most of the time, seven days, seven nights a week, just to make money to pay for what we were, you know, thinking about going through and very, very expensive, you know, out of pocket, because it was all, you know, insurance didn't cover it. But I would set up in her, she had a chaise lounge at the end of her bed, I would pray with her and, you know, care for her in a lot of, you know, detailed things that she needed, but she wanted to be home. So she had a, a 
day, evening, and night shift nurse, and we knew each other well. We coordinated her care, but at night, after she was asleep, I, um, I actually read the Bible to her before she went to sleep because I was, quote unquote, a Christian, <laughs> and it right. was the right thing to do, you know, but I still didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord. This was all coming <clears throat> to the point where he was, you know, in the church that day. But I kept the Bible with me because I was really seeking and I was reading the word and several different scriptures he kept bringing in front of me. And uh, just through that time, I think, and I knew I was not able to have children. I mean, we, we tried to conceive. I mean, we had already been working for, to get pregnant for 14 years. And then by the time we had Three our first son, wow! Yeah, we were, by the time we had our son, we were married twenty years. Because wow! We were married, um, yeah, so it was a long, long time. I really, you know, abortion can do a lot of damage physiologically and emotionally. Um, a lot of people don't have uh, the physiological damage, but uh, some do. And some have it in spades, as I did. So I went to um, a hospital on the medical center campus to have the abortion. And for some reason, I felt it was unnecessarily rough. And um, I don't know to this day what really happened. But I do know that when we do things that are outside of God's law, there's consequences. Right. You know, it may not have been physiological damage. It may have just been emotional. But for me, it was both. Um, I went through a number of years where I was very angry and very, um, I didn't even know how to say it, kind of mean-spirited because um, I just, I just was wonk. I was messed up. <laughs> and I mean, we almost got divorced several times. It's, that's why I say it's really a miracle that we were, you know, yeah. able to stay together. And I didn't even know how to articulate some of the emotional stuff because my dad one day said to me, boy, I hope you can have kids. Cause I've heard that when a woman has her first child, it softens her out. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> I, I was like a slap across the face, but it also made me realize that um, my dad and I are a lot alike, but we never really got along. He was a very, I uh, used to be spanked with a belt on my bare bottom um, I was the oldest of four, and so I really took the brunt of his his upbringing by an extremely, um, I don't know, just a mean-spirited father who expected the world of him, and he was not able to give it, so he took it out on him because he was the oldest as well. And in that culture, um, the oldest carries the responsibility for the family, and it's sort of, a, you know, when the father dies, the oldest son in our case, the oldest daughter, um, kind of, you know, picks up the banner or the standard and, you know, carries it. So they had high, dad had high ex expectations for me and his father had extremely high expectations for him. And that was a generational thing that I've had to really come to grips with. But when he said that about, you know, I heard that, you know, when a woman has her child kind of softens her out, um, I realized that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really honoring and loving my parents 
even though they, my mom was great, but my dad was just really hard to live with and, and very, and had, you know, violent um, mm-hmm. outbursts at times, very unpredictable. And even though he wasn't into drugs or alcohol or anything like that, it was just this kind of rage that would switch on and off. And so my mom, I think on one level was afraid of him. And of course, mm. all of us were, but my, my mom didn't help it out any when she, you know, she said, wow, the cat's away, the mice will play and such things that made us, you know, just really disrespect our dad. I think if we had respected him, he might have mellowed into it <laughs> when he finally came to the Lord, you know, we were like, right. Ooh, that was, that was wild. Wow. God really got a hold of him because, <laughs> you know, wow. he, he ended his life as a very different person as I knew growing up. Mm-hmm. And lots of different layers of things that the Lord has done, beautiful miracles that he's worked out. So anyhow, that's mm-hmm. a little bit of that. Yeah. I know well, it's kind of disjointed, isn't it? Because, <laughs> because I mean, there's no. so many little layers. No, I don't have I all the deep. Right. It's wonderful. <laughs> no, it's, it's helping me learn so much. Um, yeah, I, we, there's so much to talk about. It's no secret that Jackie absolutely loves TRS. Here is another fantastic testimony. Our three-year-old has been so much more affectionate and loving. She's autistic and has sensory issues, so her tendency has always been to go off by herself to play, and she would actively avoid social and physical contact. Being incredibly sensitive can be so isolating. I'm delighted to report that after six months of TRS, she's so much more sociable and affectionate. It's astounding. She initiates cuddles, welcomes kisses, hugs her big sister, likes hanging out with her little brother, asks grandma to pick her up, and makes sure she's in the company of family regardless of what she's doing. She wakes up every morning with a huge grin, ready to have fun and play. We are so grateful to see our little girl blossoming and joining the world, wanting connection and affection, making eye contact and sharing laughter. Thank you, TRS. For more information, please go to www.deeprootsathomes.com forward slash TRS. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. We're going to uh, end this podcast and actually make this um, into more than one podcast for our listeners. So next time, I would like to talk more about just some of the effects of um, the decisions that happened in your life and kind of some of your thoughts now about Roe versus Wade and how that has affected our culture and, you know, how different thoughts of how can we, um, you know, interact with our children to help them not repeat these same mistakes. Just some of the lessons that you've learned from this journey, because like you said, your testimony is so powerful and can be used for God's glory for so many people in so many, like you mentioned layers. There's so many layers here, even of, of the way, you know, God can be glorified in helping so many different people, whether that's through your homeschool journey, whether that's through, um, I mean, you just have so much wisdom to give from all of these experiences. So we're going to wrap up this podcast and we will be back and talk some more in a little while. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you, Abby. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. 
We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time. Thank you.